Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Micah Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. So what you see here is normally I don't sit on a stool, but this is what happens when you have four pages of notes instead of two pages. You sit in a stool because it helps keep your mind on, on track. So as you guys, if you guys bear with me, I'm going to be sitting down today. <laughs> that was a joke too, by the way. Goodness. <laughs> like normally, I, I usually am like a two-page note guy, but today it's about four pages. Uh, so this is like my leash. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, what I'm going to be talking about today uh, is a little bit different. And really, I would say within the context of church is a little bit... Um, is, is not a normal topic. And so what I would also like to do is preface this with, uh, this comes from no conversations with people or anything. I've really been preparing this for a while. Um, and I think a lot of the times when we come to church, what happens is afterwards, it's always funny when people come up to you and they're like, wow, you really, you really uh, talk, spoke to me today. And my, my goal today is not necessarily to do that because I think all of us are going to find layers of um, ourselves and some of the things that we're going to be talking about, but I really feel like it is now the, the time to really start uh, really turning the page. And what I mean by that is what I want to talk about today is state, uh, our, the state of our union, uh, the state of the union. And really what it is, is it's the state of the Christian union in the church, it's the state of uh, our union with God in the 2020 realm of things coming off, of, or 2020-21 realm of things coming off of 2020, but more than anything, it's a challenge as well as a awareness, as well as a we've, we've got to do things different invitation to the church. Uh, and what's funny is, is if, if you know me, I actually, uh, my brain is one of those. When I pray in the beginning of services, you know, God, will you just quiet my brain and get me off my cell phone and, you know, get me focused, right? It's because my brain is like that, where it's just, it's like bing, bong, bing, squirrel, you know. Uh, <laughs> so all the people who laughed are people like, amen, I know that. Uh, but really, uh, what happens, though, is a lot of the times when I lay down to go to sleep and my mind's trying to rest and kind of shut off is when I kind of have like, uh, almost like my spiritual times with the Lord. Um, and that's not saying I don't read my Bible or anything, but I almost have like a lot more, uh, almost like relational depth that, that I have kind of with the communication with, with the Lord. And so uh, I actually wrote this down. This came from a time on July 7th. So this is three days after the 4th. I believe it was a Wednesday. Um, so this is a week and a half ago. Uh, from 1040 to 1135, I just rolled over in my bed and just started typing things on my phone. And um, that's actually pretty normal for me, I feel like. I wish it wasn't because I really do like sleep. But uh, I started typing things on my phone, and really what I felt like the Lord was saying was he was saying, uh, Micah, you're, you're allowed to, uh, to, to really challenge now. And, and I, I remember I was thinking about it, and I, I came in the next day, and my, my dad can attest to this. I talked to him. I said, hey, I don't know if this is for this weekend, because I already had the message uh, uh, seat at the table, which was last week. I said, I don't know if this is for this weekend, but I really uh, had a moment last night of almost an hour where all I was doing was getting a download and just writing, and it turned into really like five or six pages that I kind of tried to whittle down, but... Uh, Really for me is I want to give kind of the backstory of following the Lord during COVID and being a spiritual leader. 
um, because it was brutal. <laughs> you know, and not only that, is, is, is I'm going to be honest, I'm tired now. I'm tired. And mainly it's because what we've, what we've seen in the church and what we've seen within spirituality is this idea of really before COVID, I think there was levels of consumerism and, and, and really the church being structured around an entertainment-based model. And then what happens is, is then when COVID hits and people don't need entertainment, they need core principles. They need the DNA of God to get them through difficult seasons and situations. What happens is, is they haven't been rooted in the principle. They've been rooted in the presentation. And the presentation is not meeting the need. It's not coming against the barrage of fear. It's not coming against the, 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 the political edge that, that our country entered into. It's not, it's not coming against. And if you would have told me, you know, I remember the first call. I was actually in Phoenix with, uh, with, with my, wasn't my wife then, but and her family. And I remember getting the call where our state was shut down. And I remember I was at, we were at an Airbnb walking around a pool while me, my dad, and Steph tried to plan out what church was going to look like. And I can tell you this, if you would have told me it would have looked like it was the last year, I wouldn't have believed you. But what's interesting about that is I believe that what the Lord was doing was it, it's, it's this church correction. Because in the process of, of 2020, we, I'll be honest, we found out who really followed God. And I'm not saying that from the basis of if you watched online or you're watching online, and I, I want to say that, that's not what I'm trying to say. But what you found out is what people's beliefs were because they really manifested. And manifested mean they, they outwardly expressed what they were inwardly feeling. And I'm not saying that that's inherently wrong, but when it's not necessarily biblical, it might be. And so what happened is, is I, I remember thinking about this message because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be devil's advocate um, here. I was the person who was COVID conscious. So, and actually, many of you guys know we had a mask required and we had a mask recommended service. We did those things because we did not want to be labeled as the, the church that didn't believe COVID was real. And I'll be honest, I'm very happy we did. Because what happens with churches who said COVID wasn't real is now the neighbors they're supposed to reach and love aren't coming because they're like, why would we go to a church where you didn't even believe as the world crumbled that it really was? And so what I'm trying to get at today is that our understanding of following God came from this place of we actually, I'm going to be 100% honest, we were people who actually sacrificed the spiritual livelihood of believers for the safety of our community. And that is a tough decision to make. To essentially say we don't have programs, we don't have small groups. We only have services. That's not necessarily what I would classify as the full context of following Jesus, but we did it based off of we're going to love our neighbors. And this is what I'm trying to get us to filter our realities through, is that when we make tough decisions, it's I want to love God and I want to love my neighbor. And see, a lot of the times in the church today, what's happening is we're not filtering any decisions through that. It's I want to love my life and I want to be comfortable. I want to do what I want when I want to, and if God fits in those margins, then great. And it's tiring, and it's tough, because today, I'll be honest, it feels like most of America, we really like God when he fits. 
when it's okay, when our schedules permit, when we have time. And see, a lot of us, you can look at me and say, well, that sounds insensitive because obviously you work at a church. You want to know how many pastors have walked away from ministry in the last year and a half? You want to know how many people, right, in ministry are looking and saying, man, I don't want to be a part of this because what's happened is, is the people who we thought were following God maybe weren't. And I'm not saying that, I'm not, what I'm trying to get at today is I don't want to be critical or condescending to anybody here. But my goal today is not for all of us to say I'm going to restart following God. It's for us to say I'm going to reset. Because I believe that's what the church needs. 2020 is over, right? And it, regardless if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, I would say COVID in this region and in this time really is not necessarily a principal and primary focus because you have the, we have the protections and the restraints in place now. But I can say this, is now it's about, okay, who are going to be the people who relock in? Because I, I'll be honest, I can't do two to three years of wondering who's actually in and who's actually out. I just can't do it. I've done it for a year and a half, and it's been brutal. To see people that you walked with day in and day out, prayed with, loved, and truly wanted to see and can see God radically use their lives, and all of a sudden Christianity and church, and not even church attendance, but I would just say spiritual livelihood is shelved based off of fear, political preference, or just alienation. He said something I didn't like. They did something I didn't like. They believe things I don't like. My goodness. It's been tough. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about how we can all be better. It's not, a, it's not a complete, you know, sermon. This is a lot of streams kind of flowing into one lake. But for, for today, I want to start with just a couple, que- not even questions, but really I want to phrase a couple passages of Scripture because that's how I think and that's what really got the ball rolling for me. Uh, but I think for me, even within the the by and large community is a lot of people have really labeled really the church as, you know, God left the building in 2020. And I, I, I would like to push back on that because I don't think God left the building. I just think the people left God. And I think a lot of the times really why people are even able to label the church building as God really isn't there is because the people get away from what it means to actually follow him. You know, the last 10 years of church attendance have shifted towards the entertainment and consumerism. And 2020, COVID hits and the entertainment and all of a sudden doesn't feel like it's as good as it was before. A return to the principles rather than the perfect and appealing presentation is what believers need. These principles of reading your Bible, faithful church attendance and community engagement, serving, giving and praying are the returning to the start measurables that must be present in your life if you're going to follow God moving forward. We now have found out that maybe what we thought people were doing in engaging and growing faith versus what they were actually doing was maybe not as principle-focused within the wider context. What I mean by that is I feel like God, what he did is he pulled back the bed sheets And he said, I want to reveal the principles of my people and get them in line with the personhood of Jesus. The principles of my people must be in line with the personhood of Jesus. 
you know, even today, I, I love it because here's, here's the, how the pendulum of church attendance is swinging as I observe it. Before COVID, we measured it too greatly as a measure of spiritual development. In our day and age now, though, in my opinion, the mark of true maturity, and if someone has an actual healthy walk with the Lord, is if they're involved with a local church. Because to be involved in a church in a healthy way defeats so much of the human flesh side and the spiritual elite pride. The flesh side is I don't feel like it, it's not comfortable, it's boring, I have so much else to do, or I'm just disengaged. The pride side says I don't need it, I have my own walk, I have my own beliefs, and I don't really align with them perfectly, or I've graduated from needing the church. They're hypocritical, we don't see eye to eye, the church isn't a building, it's a people. I just want to attack that phrase for 10 seconds. Because for me, it's, it's so interesting in studying the Bible. I, I, I am a student of the Bible. I, I'm going to start saying that a lot more. I'm a student of the Bible, not a teacher of the Bible. I'm just going to try and teach what I learn. I'm not a perfect or finished product. But I can tell you this is Jesus' first words ever uttered in Scripture recorded were, didn't you know that you would find me in my Father's house consumed with all things him? So when we as believers say, I don't need the church, essentially we're, we're devaluing God's first words. How many of us remember the first words of our, of our children, right? They're viewed in higher esteem than normal other words because it was the first thing he said. Even taking it a step further, the term church is a, is a term, that, the name ecclesia, and that term actually was used in Greek society as the called out ones. It was essentially a governance of citizens where they would be called out and be given authority over civil matters of the city in which they resided. You know what's interesting, though, is could you be a called out one and not show up to a called out meeting? Like, it, it, it's just so interesting to me when, when we try to break down and deconstruct what really being involved in the church is today, when essentially it's not even, not only was it Jesus' custom, not only could you find him in the temple over and over and over and over in Scripture, but when you research the gravity of what it meant in the Old Testament and New Testament to be involved and to be present, it was the centrality of their life. Yet today, we're debating if once a month is actual church membership. Now, I kind of want to get into a little nitty-gritty. Like I said, these are all little kind of sermon caveats. It's a little different today. But, you know, this passage of Scripture, this commentary I read, I, has been almost seared in my brain for a while, and it's on Judas. Now, I'm going to preface all of this by saying, nobody in this room I'm calling a Judas. <laughs> But Luke 22, 47 to 49, and Mark 14, is that my mic is, oh, there it is. And Mark 14, 40, uh, 45, essentially gives light to Judas. But here's what's interesting, and I don't think a lot of us actually break down what's going on, is that Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Now, how many of you guys know, if you're going to betray somebody, you're not walking up and giving them a kiss on the cheek. And if you are, you're just a savage. But the reason why I read a commentary uh, specifically on the passage of why Judas kissed Jesus, and it's because Judas, and what's interesting is, is it made a lot of sense to me, and I'm not saying that it's a, a perfect um, uh, teaching per se on this, but 
Essentially, what, was, what this commentator was saying was that Judas believed that actually he was doing Jesus a favor because there was no way that Jesus would actually allow himself to be crucified. Could you imagine if somebody was doing incredible miracles, raising people from the dead, and then telling people they were going to die by electric chair? Do you re- would you really believe that in today's day and age? No. Because you would look at the miracles, you would look at the signs, you would look at the wonders and say there was no way they're going to die a death like that. You know what Judas really wanted is he wanted the overthrowing of the Roman Empire, right? Or he wanted Jesus to reveal himself as the true Messiah so all people would come to him. See, this was the goal and most of the dissension you could find within Jesus' disciples is when is Jesus going to reveal himself to the full world or another sect of his disciples is when is he going to overthrow the occupational army of the Roman Empire in Jerusalem. So the two major thoughts are this. Judas says, if I betray him and I give him up to the council, and they're wanting to crucify him, he's going to have to make a choice, and there is no way he will make a choice to die. He might make a choice to overthrow Rome just in an instant because I've seen his miracle working power. He maybe will be somebody who, who says, you know what, I actually am the Messiah, and I can show you right now by miraculous works, but there is no way he's going to die. But what happened? He died. But you know what? Is Judas, in essentially knowing what he did was wrong, couldn't handle the shame. And I believe he couldn't handle the shame because he thought he was helping, but deep down he was hindering. How many of us maybe have lived Christian existences where we thought we were helping, but maybe we were hindering? And I think that all of us maybe have went through seasons where we've done things that maybe we wish we wouldn't have done. But I think in 2020... I believe a lot of Christians, we did things that we thought were helping, but really they were hindering. We did things that we thought were, were, were strengthening or putting God on the platform or bringing God back to the place of, of the forefront of minds, but at the same time was hindering who he was and the perception of who, the, of who he wanted to reach was to the outside world. What am I essentially trying to say is the filter of love God and love your neighbor We don't like that filter in Western America. But today I pray that when we look at the light of our lives, we say, God, am I helping or am I hindering? Because I might be giving a kiss, but that kiss could be death. Another passage of scripture that just spoke to me, and the reason why is because it speaks specifically, in my opinion, to the problem of 2020. Luke 10, 30 to 34, we know this one, right? The Good Samaritan, but I'm going to bring it from another lens because some of you guys, I said Good Samaritan, you're like, I heard 10,000 sermons on that one. It says this, in reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. I want to focus on on a statement. He passed by on the other side. You know, the priest and the Levite in that day and age was this was the religious elite. 
So essentially what Jesus is saying is the religious elite is seeing a need and passing by on the other side. Now, what I think this language is perfect for today because if I actually said, what side are you on? Most of us could actually break down a side that we're on. Not knowing that that side may inadvertently be putting us away from the people that need the bandaging and the love that we're called to give. See, if I asked you, what side are you on today? If you can name a side, I'll be honest, we're not in a good place. I'm going to say it again because I know that one hurts a little. If we can name the side we're on, we've alienated another in 2021. If we could be people who say, you know what, I'm not really on a side. I'm just on Team Jesus, trying to love, trying to reach, trying to point people towards him. And I know that even of itself, see, we're in a disagreement-based society and culture today where that's just easy to say, well, I don't agree with that. And it's like, okay, well, point to me the side Jesus was on in Scripture because for some reason I could only see him on the side of the Samaritan, the prostitute, the leper, the forgotten, the nameless, the sick, the needy. You know what's interesting actually is that most of the critique I find of Jesus is against the religious institute and not actually against the world itself. And that I know hurts because God's not critiquing the world. He's critiquing the church and the spiritual body in order to get it to a place where it can impact the world. And I want to even say this is that for some of us, right, if I ask us the question of what side we're on, it's just easy for us because our identity is more in the side that we're on than the person we profess to follow. And my challenge to you, if if you're somebody like that, is maybe if we spent more time changing our own personal world than being critical of the outside world, it might be a better place. Because nobody, if if we have a critical mindset of, of the world, how can we believe in a God who can change it? And what I'm essentially trying to say to this is that we have spent more time speaking on what side we're on than the Savior and what he's actually saved us from. And we need to stop looking at people as problems and more like people going through problems. We need to be people that, that we look at people and we don't label them for the worst thing that they've ever done. Because in all honesty, if we were labeled for the worst things we'd ever done, that would be a really cruddy existence to live. But what I'm trying to get at today, church, is that we have to be people who say, I won't pass on the other side. What side have you alienated yourself with to the point where you realistically could see yourself going on the other side of the person who you view on the other side of? Because I'll be honest, that's what Jesus, the whole Good Samaritan story is about the religious elite looking at people in need, looking in people who are broken, looking at people who are left half dead and going around them. This one's going to be a little bit more prickly, but politics and polarization. These are my final kind of moments here. You know, James 127 says, um, pure religion is to take care of widows and orphans. And this is an interesting passage at the end. And to keep oneself unstained by the world. You know, I think a lot of the times we forget that. It's like, what is pure religion? I mean, I could easily say, oh, you know, taking care of widows and orphans. But that last little part of keeping ourselves unstained, 
You know, the world in the last year and a half has chosen politics over people, Trump over Jesus, nationalism over Christianity, and now a good percentage of church people just choose couches over churches. The church led the first civil rights movement, but now we're the ones it feels like fighting and labeling it. Jesus can encounter people where, where they are, but do we forget the process of deconstruction of the modern church? Some of us, maybe we thought we needed to change the cabinets and repaint the walls, but instead we're just lighting the whole thing on fire. What am I saying is that I think that politics, this is once again what God's doing, is he's wanting to reveal principles. He's wanting to reveal principles. He's not wanting us to get to a place where we don't understand or recognize that he's, he's Lord, but he's wanting us to just evaluate ingrained principles. And in all honesty, in the past, what I would say, year, year and a half, is that we identified more with a president or a political party than we did with God. And I know that's, it's hard to say as a believer, but man, as somebody who's lived and walked in the church every single day, is that when you talk about politics, it's just, you know, it, growing up, it was funny, even getting into preaching, I remember some of the things that you didn't talk about was politics, because it was just you, everybody. And what's funny is, is that I genuinely believe you talk to people sometimes, and they just can't fathom how liberals or Democrats or conservatives or Republicans can be saved. And it's like, we have a lot of both in this church. Could you, even that thought is probably so offensive to people. We have a lot of both sides of the aisle in this church. And it's incredible to even wrap our mind around because of how polarizing politics has become. We can't fathom somebody being on the other side. And once again, I, I even want to speak to this because it's like, you know, re, it's just so hard today, once again, when God's highlighting principles He's highlighting principles he wants to change. It's so hard because essentially what we're being tasked with doing in leading the church is trying to get people's principles into the personhood of God, but it's just so much easier nowadays to just let people go and flame out, and hopefully at some point they get the, the lesson that they need. What am I trying to, to say today is that the state of our union is we need God. Yes. We need more of him. Yeah. We need a resetting of him, a recentering of him. And for some of us, maybe we're looking and struggling and wondering why. And I think that a lot of it's just coming down to maybe we've just got ourselves to a place of what cultural Christianity is now, which a lot of the times is not necessarily who Jesus is. And what I'm trying to say more than anything is that, and this was a tough, um, you know, this was tough to, to, to write up. This, was, this is probably one of the tougher ones even to speak on it because I like to have fun. I like to feel the passion. But for this one, it was more I, I felt like God was saying, Mike, I need you to, you're okay to bring some correction. And I'll be honest, I don't have the life experience of a lot of you. I don't have the kids. I don't have some of the things that we've went through. I, I don't. I can say the, the only thing that I f I'm confident is that I am in my word and I'm in my prayer. And if I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wouldn't be on the stage. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. Because 2020 for, for being a church leader was that hard. And I want to encourage you in being in my word and being in, in the Bible is I feel like the state of the union is the church. We got to do better. But more than that, we need to come back. 
And some of us coming back is, is something where it's like, okay, well, what does that even mean? And I'm not going to even label that for you. I'm not going to say every week attendance. I'm not going to say, you know, all of these things. I'm going to say if you follow God, then you should be able to know what that is for your life. Because it's tough today to essentially say as a church is what we want is me to tell you guys everything, us write it down, and then hopefully follow what was written down. Instead of us say, God, what are you asking me to do? What right now is a principle that I've had in my life or in my mind that maybe isn't of you? What is a new direction you're trying to take me in? God, have I been somebody who really has viewed you as more of a lukewarm, passive commitment, and now I need to reset my life on you? God, has 2020 really kind of got me out of the place and the rhythm and the tendency of truly being somebody who follows you every day of my life? These are the questions we have to ask. Before we can reach a world out there, we've got to change our world in here. And for some of us, that's the last thing we want to do to deal with the trauma, the pain, the brokenness that all of us possess inherently inside. But that is what it means to follow Jesus, is for us to say, God, I'm tired. God, I'm broken. God, I'm empty. God, I've, this is how I feel and this, is, this hurts. But I'm going to give it to you every day. My final thought is this. I felt like uh, I got just a weird acronym. And I'm not going to tell everybody to do this because it's just easy for all of us to have a buy-in moment. But if you're sitting here and you're saying, you know, I felt like, and I'm not going to ask you to do it right now. I want you to take it and after the service and do it on your own because I'm kind of going to make it hard to <laughs> make this choice. Uh, I felt like the Lord t told me I want people to grasp me again. I want people to grasp me again. And, and he gave me an acronym, GRASP. Actually, that term means to seize and hold tightly and firmly to not letting go. Man, it just felt like 2020, man, gave us every excuse to let go instead of every excuse to hold tighter. So what I want to do is I just want to give a brief acronym. And that acronym is to give to read, to attend, to serve, and to pray. Now, some of us, we can immediately fill in the, the blanks of what all of those mean, but it's not what I'm actually getting at today because my goal is today is for us, I'm not saying to grab this, but there's a card in the chair in front of you, and it says, I choose to grasp Jesus. And what I want you to do is if that's something where you're saying, I'm needing a reset, I'm wanting a reset, I want you to sign that card and date it and put it in a place where you will see it every day. And every day you ask yourself the question, did I give today? Did I read some form of God's word today? Did I attend today, whether it's attend to Jesus or attend to the needs of somebody else or attend to the secret place? Did I serve someone today? Did I pray today? And see, on Sundays, some of those are a lot easier to answer, but really what's important is that we can answer, yes, I did that on a Monday. Yeah, I did that on a Thursday. Yeah, I did that on a Saturday. I gave, I read, I attended, I served, and I prayed. See, what we're doing is it's principles. 
It's not politics. It's not divisiveness. It's not, okay, I'm this, or okay, I'm that, or oh, it's, or COVID this, or whatever. It is principles. I'm going to give. I'm going to read. I'm going to attend. I'm going to serve. I'm going to pray. Principles. See, the state of the union today is maybe we've gotten away from principles, but maybe it's time to come back to them. Because that's what God builds promises and blessings on are principles that are lived out day by day, week by week, year by year, decade by decade, generation by generation. That's the God we serve. See, some of us, we're thinking these are just little things, but these little things could change our mind in big ways, which change our living, which change who we are. And today, more than anything, what I'm saying is if we could change our worlds, God can use us to change the world. But we can't get it confused with just wanting to change the world without changing ourselves. Let's pray. Father.